What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 63 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, what we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, go to readyplaynetwork.com or just hit us up at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is March 26, 2021. I'm your host, Luis Menchaca, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Daniel Lima. There we go. So what were what were those little uh, technical hiccups in the in the beginning of the show before we went live there, Luis? What are you talking or, uh, about? Did you not want me to bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, for, you know, OBS okay, is really I'm, weird. Because I'm guessing nobody saw that. OBS is really weird because like I hit start recording, start recording, and then like it like doesn't say that it's recording, and I'm like, okay, I guess it's not recording, mm. and then and I was like, oh, it is recording, and then yeah, so who knows? I'm not I'm not gonna edit it out. I'm just gonna let it be. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Dan, we had a we had an interesting show last week where we just sort of like kind of you know try to play with play around with the format here, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna be a traditional person and just bring us back to our old format since I'm. I'm steering this ship here this time, which is kind of funny because I had a had really good success this week with not steering the ship the, the normal way. But we'll get get to that here in a few moments here. So how you been? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm good, dude. Uh, been able to been pretty busy with uh, work and life and other stuff, but still managed to play quite a few games. Um, I actually did something recently. I uh, I tweeted about this and uh, I deleted all social media apps from my phone. And it's because I started realizing, you know, when you go, uh, you know, when you go on your phone and you look at your, uh, they have that feature now, like the screen time or whatever. Yeah. And you start actually seeing how much time you spend on like Twitter and Instagram and other things by just like, I am not huge into social media. Like I am really not like, I don't use it as much as other people do. Uh, and still just like on the five minutes here, 10 minutes there, 20 minutes there, 15 minutes here, you know, like maybe like half an hour before bed as I'm like laying there and falling asleep and, uh, it all kind of added up. And I was like you know what, I, I could be using this time better. So I'm going to try a little experiment. I said, uh, I'm going to try to just uh, not use social media for a little bit, maybe like a few weeks, maybe more, depending on how it goes. And I, uh, I went ahead and I deleted my Twitter app. I deleted my Instagram app, TikTok, everything, you know, which by the way, go follow us on all of these platforms at Ready Press Play. <laughs> but uh, I just I just wanted to see what happened, you know, how I use my time instead. And uh, it turns out that I'm spending a lot more time gaming i feel like than i did before because now interesting you know rather than going like yeah like rather than going like oh you know i like i got like uh 10 minutes to kill kill here let me let me scroll through twitter uh i'm grabbing the good old 3ds instead <laughs> which we're gonna get into in a little bit <laughs> all right cool that's actually interesting because like i have not done any gaming well I'll, we'll get to that in a second here but um i actually just wanted to say before we go on to the actual uh show itself here let's go ahead and do some house quick some, some quick housekeeping uh number one uh, we we just uh, we got to pat ourselves in the back and just kind of like congratulate ourselves because we finally finished Halo Combat Evolved on stream. Yes. Yeah. So it's. Uh, it was uh, a lot of work. Twitch.tv <laughs> slash Ready Press Play. You should be following us there. Uh, link in the description. Link in the show notes. Uh, we will be resuming streaming on Sundays, not this coming Sunday, but the following Sundays. We're presumably going to continue on. Now, I think we, Dan and I agreed that we would be doing Halo 2, but I'm thinking mm -hmm. we should do It Takes Two instead. Yes, yes. Uh, that's new, a, that's probably a good call, yeah. It'll be the new hotness. Now, um, here's something I'm, and I'm sorry I keep derailing this show, okay, by the way, but I don't it, care. Um, I say sorry, but I don't mean it. 
Um, now, It Takes Two is like is a very interesting game because you know there you you can play as two characters, kind of like a way out. But in this case, the two characters are you know uh, a man and a woman that are in love. You know, you play as a couple, uh, and it's one of those games that are kind of similar to a way out. Um, there is a there's different uh, mechanics and different things that you get to do with each character in the game. So what I'm thinking that could be interesting is that because I, I definitely want to try to play this with Leah. I don't know if she's going to be into it because she's kind of picky with games. It's like either it hits or it doesn't with her. Um, so I kind of want to play with Leah as the guy and have her play as the girl. So that means, Louis, that in our playthrough, then I could be the girl and you could be the guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I can get to see I can get to see the two sides of the game by doing it like that. What do you think? Uh, at least I'm at least. That lets me know that I'm the guy in the relationship, so that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, abs- uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, didn't really think about that, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that we wouldn't have really, it wouldn't have been like a really big deal out of it, you know? Uh, like oh, yeah. one of the situations where like if you're like if you're like uh, two brothers, like two little kids that are, you know, siblings playing games together, they're going to be like, no, I don't want to be the girl. You be the girl. That kind of stuff. Like that's not. Yeah. You know, we're adults. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the last thing here I just wanted to uh, just gush about here is, again, about myself, because I've been having such a good week. Uh, <laughs> we basically did another banger episode of Ready Play Movies, uh, BTS number two. We've been having that we're two for two for for BTS episodes. BTS is like we we call it behind the scenes, where we just sort of like just throw away the format of like just don't do news. Let's just let's just have a conversation. So BTS number two was a very special episode because number one, um, it's the first podcast that I recorded with like that's not remotely like Dan and I've been doing podcasting, but remotely. Troy and I have yeah. been doing the podcast, but it's been done remotely. So we were actually in like the same table recording, kind of like old old old-fashioned style and it was like crazy because like there was a a flow an energy to the room that we were able to vibe off each other bounce off of each other and uh it's almost kind of interesting because like there's like whenever you're playing when you're recording something online there's like a bit of a delay so uh when you're interjecting things are more natural like that and i just Mm -hmm. found that to be uh more of a palpable energy so i'm going to be linking in the description uh, of this video uh the video version of rpm 11 and also, uh, of course, our podcast feed for uh, Ready Play Movies RPM, and uh, yeah. So Dan, we've never we you I deliberately didn't ask you before we started recording what you thought of the show because I wanted to you know get your like reactions because you just text me like this show was fire. Now elaborate. <laughs> yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, I listen to Ready Play Movies every week because uh, you know I li- I like to support you guys. And we're all part of the same family, and and I, I not like I wouldn't do it otherwise. Um, but this was an interesting. It was so interesting about this episode that um, I do follow Joel BBY, our composer, uh, or you know, our, our music guy on uh, Twitch. And I was just I don't often go on Twitch. Like I literally open Twitch like very rarely. And I just randomly opened Twitch. I saw that he was live. There were a few people watching it. I was like, you know, let me see what this guy is up to. I click on it, and then I or or tap on it on my phone, and I and I see you there sitting on a table with everybody else and like doing a podcast. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I didn't expect that at all. Louis didn't tell me anything about it. Um, it was a special episode. So I proceed to like start texting him. Yeah, I started texting you and stuff about it. I was like, dude, I'm seeing you live. Um, and the messages kept kept doing that thing where they weren't arriving, like they were going but not arriving. And then soon after, you went offline, like the Twitch stream went offline. And then I was so worried. I was like, dude, no, he's gonna like he's losing his podcast. 
I debated on calling you even, but then I was like, you know, Lewis probably has his shit together. If I call him right now, maybe I'll interrupt the flow and et cetera. I, I had don't want to do that. I had my phone on airplane mode so because I didn't want any phone calls mm. to be coming through because one of the three camera setups was my phone. Yeah. Oh, okay. Smart, smart, so, smart. Even if um, you were texting me, I didn't receive all those messages until after the taping was already done when I unlocked my airplane mode and they all just came through at once. Fair enough. But nonetheless, you know, everything worked out and the episode came out and then I got to listen to it in, uh, um, you know, in podcast feeds. And I I skipped the whole Snyder Cut part. I, I listened to it in the beginning and then I skipped the rest because I haven't watched the movie yet. I uh, don't know when I will because, you know, it's not like I have a four hour block in any moment of my week. Um <laughs> Um, I, I would also have to subscribe to HBO just for it, actually, because I don't have that subscription right now. Um, so we'll, we'll figure that out. But I skipped that part. And even without that part, the rest of the show was just so good. You know, the energy was great. Uh, Lewis does a little bit of an interview with one of the one of the people in the crew there. And, and that was pretty good as well. I think he did a pretty good job at doing that and, you know, keeping it flowing. And, you know, the way that everybody just kind of vibed off of each other. And, uh, you know, you could see, like, you could feel that, like, energy. Like, it was it was a really good podcast because... You know, we're we're amateur podcasts. We're here. We're doing our best. We're like, you know, like trying to do a good job. But at the end of the day, you know, at times, you know, I listen back to it and I can tell like, ah, we're not quite there yet. Or like maybe on this episode we were, but on this episode we were not and et cetera. And, uh, and that was one of the one of the episodes where I listened to it and, and I was like, um, dude, this is really good. Like the flow was really good. Uh, the way that the conversation went from like one topic to the next, it just felt natural. It felt like like nothing felt abrupt, you know, it didn't feel like the, the, the conversation was dying down at any point or anything like that. <laughs> um, which by the way, it was actually kind of funny. There was, a, there was a part towards the end where I think somebody had to go, somebody had to go to the bathroom or something and that you guys kept talking and you were like, you know, I, I think it's kind of winding down. Yeah. When he comes back, let's, let's wrap this up or, <laughs> you know, and yeah, it was kind of funny going. that you left that in there. Cause no, no, that was, yeah. the, I, I deliberately yeah. like, like left that in there on purpose. Um, I didn't want to just cut it and then like uh you know at i didn't i, I don't know i just kind of mm-hmm. felt like it worked especially because especially if you're like audio listener it almost kind of felt like he didn't even leave because it was so quick you know so mm-hmm. uh yeah. But yeah yeah exactly uh but i did cut like a whole like three minutes or whatever when he was gone but you couldn't tell that i cut so um unless you're watching the video version but yeah so i just wanted to say that after the podcast sam he was a he's an aspiring filmmaker and i i was like i wanted to pick his brain about you know the creative process in making making short films making like music videos like he's shot stuff and he's he has equipment he knows his stuff and i just wanted to like you know really like you know dig deep and like actually it was I was almost treating him like I don't know I felt like I was treating him higher than he than his pay his pay grade because I was genuinely asking him questions as if he was like motherfucking Steven Spielberg or something, uh, <laughs> but he was like he really appreciated it though because you know but uh, uh, after the podcast is over and after we're done taping and we're like relaxing and stuff like that we're putting up our our the equipment and uh, Sam just gave me the really great compliment and I was like wow I um, I was like very much like taken aback where he told me that he was nervous going into the podcast and he said that uh, I'm a very good interviewer and that I, I set him at I put him at ease and made him feel comfortable and I'm like dude I, that, I appreciate that because I don't think I'm that good at interviewing but you know I know I know a little bit of interview skills and stuff like that but like um, yeah so I just as I think it, you did a pretty good job <laughs> all right I enough agree. about this we're, we've been we've been rambling on and I just go watch RPM <laughs> it's the, the spinoff oh yeah and uh, all right, whatever. Let's just uh, get on to some impressions here. And this is going to be the part where uh, Dan is going to just take over. But I'll go first. Hey, 
So this was supposed to be like my big week, my big debut, where it's like, oh my god, I've had the PlayStation Five for a whole week, and like, yep. oh my god, like you know. But no. And then you played Fortnite on it. <laughs> yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, you know, All right, Lewis. to tell you the truth, I've been hella busy. Like, I I'm, I swear, <laughs> like, one of these days, I'm going to just call out sick from work just so I can have some time to myself. But I had a really busy weekend. I didn't have time to play anything. And then next thing you know, the week is here, and then we're doing the podcast. But uh, the time that I did have, um, I was... I was spending time with my nieces and nephews. They came over. They wanted to, my nephew wanted to play the PlayStation 5, so I let him. So he basically got to christen the PlayStation 5, and I hadn't, you know, so whatever. <laughs> what? Wait, wait. Let's stop here for a second. You let your nephew touch your PlayStation 5 before you did? Yeah. Is that what you mean? <laughs> wow. The only wow. thing I've done with That's the PlayStation a... 5 is streaming. That's it. Like, just like, like I did Dude. the Xbox. That's like a solid ass uncle move right there. Like, like you, you, you deserve an award, like uncle of the year right there. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll let people, you know, touch my things or, you know, try whatever, you know, piece of tech I, I have, but I will never let them do it before I do it <laughs> before, you know, I've spent a good amount of time with it. And I know, you know, the, you know, the details and, and how it works. And I've, I've spent, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. And then I'm like, okay, well you can have it within these constraints or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i just uh i i was busy like i just used it for streaming apps i was mm -hmm. watching like hbo max through it or whatever and like that's all i've been doing is just you know just basically treating it like a streaming box uh because like that's what i have when i have downtime i'm watching something and then um um i i didn't even really get to play it. i watched i watched my nephew play spider-man miles morales uh, i'm just there like couch mm -hmm. backseat pilot like a backseat driver and stuff like that. So I don't know how the controllers felt like and stuff. But from what I did see of Spider-Man Miles Morales, it looked basically like Spider-Man 2018, but with cooler animations. Um, and of course, mm -hmm. I saw like the ray tracing. I saw the reflections and it looked gorgeous and beautiful, like just mesmerizing. Mm -hmm. And I really can't wait to play that game and stuff in like 2023. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but that being said, uh, all that all that being said, it felt really awesome. And my nephew was commenting about the controller that it felt weird and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't know, you know, what he meant. You know, I was thinking maybe it was an adaptive triggers or something like that with like the web slinging. Mm -hmm. I'd imagine that was gonna be the case. But then like, I finally got around to like just playing like a, a quick hour of Fortnite um, yesterday. And uh, I actually was the first time I'm actually truly using the dual sense other than just navigating an app or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, I gotta say that there's uh, on the settings, there's an adaptive triggers uh, setting where you can toggle it on. And it was crazy. Like I, the, the triggers were awesome where it's like there's tension in them. And it felt like mm -hmm. I had to really pull like a trigger on a gun. Like, like I've shoot, mm -hmm. I, sh I, I shoot, I've shoot, I have shot guns in real life before at a, at a target range or whatever. And so it, it like the, the first part of the trigger like pull is actually really easy. It's not that like difficult, but then there's a part where like you sort of hit a part where it's sort of like a little soft wall. And after you hit that threshold, that's when the, the firing pin like shoots. And so mm -hmm. basically the, 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 the dual sense accurately like uh, did that simulation where it's like that first half is easy, but then that second half, you got to like, just like force it and just like click. And then like, mm -hmm. that's what they're doing with the pistols and stuff like that. And also with the bow and arrow, like you're like drawing the bow and it like you're the bow and arrow weapon in the, in Fortnite and stuff. It's actually pretty insane. Like I thought it was awesome. And, uh, uh, I honestly 
don't know if I'm going to continue playing Fortnite um, with adaptive triggers because I did find it a little distracting. I don't know if I sh- I'm going to continue playing yeah. with it and try to get used to it and let that be part of my normal thing. But like every weapon you pick up has a different feel and how you pull the trigger and how you shoot. So that's yeah. the interesting thing about it. It's such a cool, neat feature, right? But but I think it's a little bit of a gimmick just in the sense that I think that. Uh, you know how, like, you know, with the 3DS, people will, like, turn on the 3D and be like, this looks awesome, and then, like, turn it off later to actually play the rest of the game? I could see a situation <laughs> where that's kind of what people do with that, where, um, you know, they when you first try it, and I, I tried it when with playing with the Astrobot game um, with my one of my friends' PS5, and it was so cool. Like, they did some cool things with, like, how, how you know, to make you feel it and, and, and have the different, you know, kind of like you were saying, the different guns feel differently and et cetera. But I feel like in a multiplayer game where, you know, you want the precision, you want that edge above everybody else, like, you don't want to, yeah, you want that speed, you don't want to risk being at a disadvantage because you're struggling a little bit, even if just a little bit, to pull that trigger. Um, so I could I could see where a lot of people are probably going to turn off that feature, especially if they're, you know, multi multiplayer gamers, you know, the people that are playing Destiny 2 and, and Fortnite and, and everything else. Yeah, by um, default, it's disabled. I had to go into the settings to enable mm-hmm. it, which I wasn't even like... That's kind of interesting looking, as well. I wasn't even looking to enable it, by the way, because the thing is, like, like what what's really awesome about, like, you know, booting up Fortnite on the PlayStation 5 is because I was signed into my, my, my PlayStation, you know, network or whatever, I didn't have to, like, you know, load up my save or transfer or sign in and, like, you know, manually pair up my account. It just worked. And I thought that was really mm-hmm. cool. But the thing that doesn't transfer over is all of your settings. So like mm-hmm. the the like the camera sensitivity and like the the little ha- the little hacks that I have going on where it, it visualizes sound and everything like all of those things were like it was basically running stock yeah. like default Fortnite and I had to go into the settings and tinker and that's when I found that just happened to find it and stuff I'm like oh yeah let me try that and see because that's like the new hotness in the dual sense and uh, yeah I was pleasantly surprised but like I said the I think for me the jury is out as to whether or not I'm gonna use it me personally like I like. I liked uh, playing with the 3D turned on on my 3DS as much as possible, so I'm mm-hmm. probably going to go with it. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Well, talking about the 3DS, <laughs> I already talked about this last week, but uh, I've continued to play uh, Metroid Samus Returns. I think I'm about close to halfway through the game now. I've already put like a good like five hours on it, just playing it in these like 5, 10, 15, 20-minute increments, sometimes a little bit longer before bed. Uh, and I'm having a really good time with it. I think that game is uh, really good. You know, I, I don't want to say underrated because it's probably, I think it's scored well, but just maybe underplayed because it's just one of those late, kind of late 3DS games that came out, you know, when the Switch was already either out or in the horizon. Um, I think it was already even out. I think it was 2017 when uh, yep. Samus Returns came out. Um, but yeah, it's really good. It's like, it kind of feels like comfort food at this point because, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've gotten, you know, decently good at the game and I'm not really getting stuck a lot. So I'm just kind of going through it, you know, finding the different weapons, then going back to, you know, go past the walls that you couldn't get past, uh, before. And it's that are just good old, like classical Metroidvania goodness. Um, but you know, it's, it's pretty solid and I'm enjoying it. Um, talking about some other games though, that I didn't get to talk about last week. Number one, I am playing the game Spiritfarer on Xbox Series X. Uh, this is a game that came out last year. It's a game by Thunder Lotus Games. Uh, it's an indie. Uh, it's an indie developer. It's a, this is an indie game, and I think it's available on Game Pass. I think that's that's how I have it. Um, 
But this game, Lewis, is really good. And what it is, it's, it's one of those very relaxing Zen type experiences. It has 2D graphics. Uh, you get to play as this character named Stella, um, which she is um, she is responsible for commanding this ship in the, I guess, the underworld or the spirit world. And you have to, you know, use the ship to find different spirits uh, and help guide them to the to the other life or you know to whatever the afterlife um and you know there's a little story that you go through with each character like each character has a different personality and it kind of it's kind of like a it's kind of like a different take in animal crossing in a way because you can upgrade your ship almost like you would upgrade a village right so you can you can increase the size of your ship you can add like you can create houses for all the characters in your ship you can create you can have like a kitchen so you can cook and you can create all these other types of buildings in your ship um and then you use the ship to navigate to different locations. Uh, and in these locations, you can find either resources or you can just kind of explore, do story quests, uh, talk to new characters, find new characters to join your crew at the ship. Uh, that are then new spirits that you got to help, uh, you know, on their, you know, journey. Uh, but then the difference is that the game has like a story and it has like a beginning, middle and end. And despite the fact that this is an indie game made by a small studio, it's not... You know, like it's not one of those like one one to two hour, you know, little small experiences. Um, and I, I think it works to its advantage. Actually, this is a game that you can really dive deep in and get involved in. And there's like a lot of uh, there's a lot of developments that happen. And um, it, it's, it's like a 20 hour game as far as I know. But it's kind of cool that that you can get into this, uh, you know, Animal Crossing style loop. Of, uh, you know, talking to the characters, you know, bringing in new villagers, upgrading your ship, you know, creating new stuff, fishing and etc. Uh, relaxing, doing your thing. But that this idea that there's an end in mind, right? Like that, the, that you're making progress towards the goal, you know, like towards like freeing these spirits and helping them out. Um, and they each have their own little personality and etc. So, um, yeah, just having a really good time with it. Uh, I don't know if you want to if you have any thoughts or questions or. No, it, um, I'm re I'm I have the uh, official. I'm looking at the official website right now, and it says uh, "Spirit Fairer, a cozy management game about dying." I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good way to put it. It's like a, a cozy management game about dying. <laughs> like, um, and, but uh, you know, the game actually has. I, I was gonna say Go I'm ahead. looking at. I'm also looking at the gameplay, like like the gameplay trailer, and it looks. It's got that little like like that thing where it's like Breath of the Wild, the glider and stuff like that. I was like. You know, other other games mm-hmm. have done it too, but stuff like that. It definitely looks cool. Like it looks beautiful as hell. Yeah, it's cool, and it's one of those games too that I I think I played at a at a convention a long time ago. It was one of those where you know, like, well, there's not much of a line there because you know that's the small <laughs> indie game as opposed to you know like uh, Kingdom Hearts three or whatever the hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then and then you know I went there and I played it and I was like, oh, that's actually pretty neat. And then uh, it came out last year and then I finally got a chance to uh, you know go and play it a little bit and I'm having a good time with it. I I actually think. I actually think I want to try to uh, finish this one and see it through. I'm pretty um, sure I've seen this game now, in a Nintendo Direct or some digital showcase because it does look familiar. Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, it is available on the Nintendo Switch um, and potentially other platforms as well, like PC and etc. Now, Lewis, I want to talk about another game, though, and you don't know about this one. Okay. Um, I'm intrigued. I, you know, I have been playing a lot. Yeah, I have been playing a lot of uh, my series x since i got it and you know recently i've been playing the 3ds and and even doing weird things like going back and playing my wii u and etc um but i had not touched my ps4 pro in like literally like three or four months at this point you know i had not played anything in it in a really long time uh and it's just because you know i didn't really have a much of a reason or urge to i was like doing these other things 
So I was thinking, you know, I kind of miss, you know, the PS4. I kind of want to play something on the PS4 a little bit. Um, so I looked through, you know, my all my PS4 games that I bought, like all these games that some of which that I even have on plastic wrap that I haven't even opened yet <laughs> that I bought on like Black Friday sales and stuff last year, you know, like the Final Fantasy VII remake and Persona 5 Royal and etc. Uh, and I proceeded to pick a game and to turn it on and to play it. And Lewis, I found out after a few hours with this game that this game is potentially one of the best games to have come out in the last five years or in the last 10 years. One of the best games to have come out this century mm. and this game. But you would never guess what this game is. This game, Lewis, is Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> And, well, and, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. Developer, come on, you got it's. It's like game developer, the game, or game engine, the game. And you know, to be fair, you know, you know, uh, hyperbole aside, <laughs> I actually haven't even tried to make anything on it yet. Oh. But what I did is I went through their little tutorial, and then you know, we can choose between you know, make shit or play shit. And I basically picked play shit, which they call <laughs> dream surfing. Then, you know, Media Molecule had their own little, uh, you know, adventure mode, you know, their own little story that you can go through. And I played a little bit of that. They actually made it so that you can't play user-generated content until you've at least tried their uh, game, um, which I thought was a, a little bit of an odd choice, but okay. So I, I played their game for a little bit, and then I was like, okay, I want to check out what people have made, which is why I'm playing this game for. So I, I get out of it, I back out of it, and then I, I start dream surfing, just going through random stuff. I didn't want to do, you know, like the top games or anything. I just found, like, I, I just started scrolling, trying to find stuff that looked interesting to play. And uh, no joke, Louis, I spent the next two hours just going through all these random games and playing it. And it is fucking incredible the amount of variety that these games have and the fact that they're all built in dreams and that somehow dreams supports like such different types of games to be created within it. Um, let me dive a little bit deeper in this. I know I'm ranting and ranting for a while, but no, you're good. First, first I played this little game called like Pogo something, where it was a little a uh, stick figure game where you know you you're you're jumping on a pogo stick, and it felt like one of those old like flash games, uh, <laughs> where you're you're where you're basically you know like trying to get through like this little like level while jumping in a pogo stick, and it's frustrating. It makes you like upset. It's almost like intentionally frustrating because you know you keep falling down these holes and etc. It was made. The game was made for a game jam, which apparently they do game jams inside Dreams. Um, but I was I played it for a little bit. I was like, okay, this is this is kind of funny. It reminds me of the Flash days and etc. Uh, but you know I'm out of here. Uh, then I go and I proceed to play this other game. Now, this other game is like a full-on, you know, 3D, um, you know, small little experience where, you know, you get to play as a character who is an artist who got rejected at a museum. Like, they don't want his art. So, you get to go into the museum and break everything. So, the game is all about, like, you know, like you have a little baseball bat and you're going through and you're just breaking all these things in this museum and trying not to get caught by the, the guards or whatever. It was a little bit buggy. It was a little bit janky. But I was like, okay, that's kind of neat. It's very different than the other game. Like, the other game was, like, a 2D, you know, stick figure game versus this is, like, a 3D game with character models about destruction. Then, you know, I back out of it, and then I find this um, resource management game that is kind of like, you know, some civilization-like game. But, you know, a little bit uh, dumbed down, or very dumbed down, actually, I should say. But where you get to create a Roman city, and you have your resources, and you can manage resources, and you can be like, I'm going to create this thing so that it generates bricks every second. And then with the bricks, I can create this other building. You're, you're having that typical, like, good old, like, strategy um, kind of thing. So, like, I back out of it, 
and then I'm going through more stuff, you know, I, I, I played some Shrek games just because I thought that would be funny, you know, like, I just started searching random stuff, so I searched Shrek, there was, like, this one where it's, like, you know, like, Shrek gets you or something, and you're, like, you're in the middle of the woods, and you're just, like, looking around, and, like, there's, like, a timer on the top, and then suddenly there's just a jump scare, and I'm, like, okay, that's stupid, that's cheap, back out of it. I eventually find a one-to-one recreation of uh, Super Mario Brothers, the original, and and then I pr- and then I proceed to play that for a little bit, and being like, I've played you know the first level of Super Mario Brothers a million times, like any Nintendo fan has, right? And and it was one to one, Lewis. It was as one to one as it gets. And I I just kind of start thinking to myself like, how is it possible that they created this game engine within a game? in a console like the PS4 that allows you to make anything from like Super Mario Brothers 1 to, you know, Flash games to a resource management 3D game to a third person platformer to like a first person shooter to like all the, you know, like all these different things within the game. And it just kind of blew my mind to think that that's even possible. Um, So I guess all I have to say is like, Dreams is really impressive as a piece of tech, and it didn't get, you know, any credit pretty much at all. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of people... It seemed like it has, like, its own dedicated community, but it doesn't seem like a lot of people played it as far as the mainstream goes. Um, And it's kind of like... I don't know. It's kind of blasphemy when you think about it, because it's... What they were able to build with that game is pretty insane. Um, Now I get it. It's not a game itself. It's like... It's more of, like, a software. Like, it's, it's a tool. But as a tool, it's it's an incredible tool. Um, so I, I, you know, I wanted to give it its its dues, I guess. Yeah, that's damn. You make me, you <laughs> almost make me want to go out and play and buy Dreams as well. Like I'm pretty sure it was on sale. It might even be on sale right now. It's um, really cheap right now. It's like you can get it for like twenty bucks or less. Um, yeah. You know, the only, one of the main fallacies with this game though is that it should be on PC. That's that's something that I think about it. Like this game should exist on PC because I feel like. It would like it would be even crazier if it was on PC. Like, I wonder what people would be able to do it with it then. Because at the end of the day, you know, like you got to use the motion controls with the PS4. You know, like with the DualShock to like build stuff and etc. Like, because you're controlling like a cursor on screen and you use the analog sticks for other stuff. Um, so you know, it comes across like it was like built for like a mouse, like a mouse and keyboard uh, control scheme instead. Um, the actual interface of Dreams. Um. So, yeah, I, I wonder, you know, it's one of those games where it's like, if Sony was to put any more games on the PC, and I know they've been doing that and talking about it, I feel like Dreams would be one of the main candidates to do that with. I kind of want to see Dreams on PS5, simply because, like, I've seen, like, a Sonic, uh, a 3D Sonic, like, Sonic Adventure-esque dream on YouTube where somebody was sharing it or whatever. And apparently, like, the PS4 mm-hmm. was, like, chugging with the with the frame rate because they were going so fast, you know, like, you know, zipping mm-hmm. through all these assets or whatever. You know, the game stream was, like, a little, you know, wonky. So I wonder, like, with that, with the PS5 and the, the solid-state drive and imagine just how more, like, you know, cooler it would it would come out looking and stuff. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, also, I just, I, I forgot about this when I was looking at the website. It's, like, it's got VR-enabled stuff, so that even look, that's even mm-hmm. dope, you know, so. Yeah. 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 When you're surfing through the games, they, they you know, there are some that are VR only, others that are, you know, like VR compatible and etc. Um, and yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that the majority of the games that I played did not chug. Like they actually, you know, played pretty solid. Like the, the frame rate was good, uh, at least with the ones that I tried. 
And, you know, it, it's interesting to think that those games are running, you know, the amount of layers, the more layers of abstraction you have on top of hardware, the worse something is likely going to run. Because let me put it this way, like you have your hardware functions to make stuff in the hardware, right? Like if you if you use those functions, if you're programming or operating in that way, then you you're right there at the hardware. So things are more efficient. Now you add like a programming language on top of that. So like that would be like your assembly, right? This is a little behind the game segment here. <laughs> like you add a programming language layer on top of that, right? Like your C++ or whatever, right? Like that, that adds, you know, some extra bit of time because, you know, you're using a line of C++ code that's then going to get converted into the assembly and then the assembly talks to the hardware. Then, you know, if you have a game engine like Unreal, then really a lot of times you maybe if you're doing some visual scripting in Unreal, really you're like talking to Unreal, which is talking to the C++, which is talking to the assembly and so forth. So the more you abstract it out, the more likely, the, the harder it is for something to be optimally performant because you are you have multiple directions. It's like, it's almost like instead of straight up telling your computer what to do, you're telling somebody that's telling somebody else that's telling somebody else that's then telling the computer. So it's going to be, even if that happens really fast, because it does happen really fast, it is a little bit slower. Now you add a fucking game on top of that and the fact that people are coding within the game. So it needs like, you know, whatever the instructions are, it's abstracted in the game layer. And then that has to go down through all the other layers. Um, point is, point, point is, it's mo- it's even more impressive if a game runs well on Dreams than if it just did by itself. Um, <laughs> you know, because you got the Dreams logic running there too, you know, yeah. under the game. So... Wow, I, I don't know. I, I just I just keep talking here, but um, oh, that's that's cool. I mean, hey, look, that's 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 new stuff for me. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of blown away. I'm actually kind of just mesmerized. And uh, yeah, there. I, side note, uh, just spoiler: we talked about we're gonna be talking about the BAFTA awards, but Dreams did one for technical achievement. So, uh, oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't even know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll get you didn't to it. watch we'll the get BAFTA to Awards today. Nope. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess we'll uh, just another spoiler. There was uh, they won for technical achievement, but then they had technical difficulties when doing the Zoom uh, thing <laughs> where there was no audio. So it's kind of funny. That's hilarious. That's uh, pretty funny. But anyways, let's go ahead and do very, the quickest of segments. It's we call it the Battle Bus. I only have two quick things to say because I already gave away the sauce when it came to the PS5 gameplay of Fortnite. So I'm just going to say that I did not, I forgot to mention this last week when we talked about the new season, but, and I really, I really shouldn't have forgot this, but that they doubled the number of presets. So with last season, they maxed out at 50 slots. This season, it is now 100 slots, which is awesome for me because I had to delete uh, a bunch of uh, presets uh, last season, and now I can re- recreate them and stuff like that, and start reorganizing them because of my OCD. I don't use that feature at all. I, uh, in fact, let me tell you how I play Fortnite. At this point, I already, you know, I obviously, you know, I'm not a baller like you, so I don't have nearly the same amount of crazy skins and stuff <laughs> than you do. Uh, but you know, I already have a few skins and variations and other stuff. The way I play Fortnite, Lewis, is that I have everything set to random. So that every time I hit play, I have a different random combination of things in my character. You know, like I have a different skin with a different pickaxe, with a different, you know, backpack, with a different something else. And I just love that. You know, it just makes it different every time. It makes it fresh, right? Like, you know, this game, 
you know, I'm playing as the Mandalorian while holding, you know, like the, the predators like claws or whatever. And then, you know, I have the, what the, the pancake man, like falling animation and other stuff. And I, you know, that's, that's just, that's just how it is. Oh my God. You, you disappoint me. Because <laughs> I can never do that. Like that's, I don't do that thing where like you mix up with, you mix the cannons around and stuff like that. Like the <laughs> the Mandalorian should have the Mandalorian backplane and the Mandalorian pickaxe and everything. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I got I got something else to to add to that. Besides the the, the presets and stuff like that, I'm gonna be uh, I wanted to talk about Smash uh, very quickly. Uh, so there was a, a patch 11.0 that happened whenever um, the new character came out, uh, uh, Pyra and Mithra. When mm-hmm. they dropped, uh, there was a patch notes that Nintendo's been putting out where here's all the changes that we made uh, to every character. Um, and sometimes there are changes that are done and they don't get like they don't get put in the patch notes because they must have been right. an accident or there must have been some secret feature that, you know, they didn't they were keeping it, you know, hush hush or whatever. This is probably the lat- uh, the former. It's probably an accident. But we fit trainers uh, side B got buffed. And so it makes it hmm. so you can you it's hard to punish. And so I'm going to come out and assume and say that that's probably somebody tweeted about it and was like uh, you know running game on people and like you know posting videos on Twitter with some cool like wins on on Wii Fit Trainer because they couldn't punish. And so what they ended up doing was they uh, they Nintendo put out a, a 11.0.1 patch, which is literally just basically Nintendo saying my bad, uh, you know my B. And uh, they put one, like literally one sentence on their patch notes and says, uh, we fixed Wii Fit Trainer back to the, back to before. And hmm. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and so That's interesting. I just wanted to comment that it's kind of interesting that there is number, I, I seriously doubt that Nintendo would have noticed it by themselves. I'm thinking like there's somebody and the N- Nintendo's development team or the Smash development team that's keeping an eye on, you know, Reddit and shit like that just to like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever somebody's saying is like, oh, red flag, you know, because I doubt mm-hmm. like, you know, their their analytics would have, you know, came back with that. So just saying. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's get on to the news. Dan, we have a crazy news week here because we had like so many items that we had to cut. So that's that's uh, hardly ever happens here. So especially first, this year. I know. Right. <laughs> the first thing we're going to be talking about is going to be the uh, the. Microsoft is potentially going to be buying uh, Discord. So this, I'm pulling this article from Game Informer. It says Microsoft could acquire Discord uh, for $10 billion. Oh, if $10 billion talk goes through. So it says here, a new report states that Microsoft's latest acquisition could be Discord. Xbox has been on a roll in the acquisition game, upping the ante for a fresh generational start with the Series X and S. The latest purchase, not another studio, but the popular video game chat community Discord instead. Murmurs of a Discord acquisition began kicking up earlier this week, but it looks like the deal could be reached soon. In the report by VentureBeat uh, via GamesBeat, Discord has reached out to various companies in a bid for a buyer. According to this same report, one of the companies at the top of the list is Microsoft with a bid of over $10 billion. According to the report, one backed by Bloomberg, Discord is currently in exclusive acquisition discussion with one party, that party reportedly being Microsoft. 
this news comes hot on the heels of the confirmation that Microsoft is shifting some branding around with the Xbox Live services now being labeled Xbox Network. Ah, that's going to be another story we're going to be talking about. But yeah, so um, Dan, we use Discord for this very podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm scared for the future. Are you? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not one to typically celebrate big company ac- acquiring, uh, big company acquisitions, right? Or like big companies acquiring, uh, perhaps like smaller companies. Um, it's kind of crazy that Microsoft has this kind of money. Can you imagine, Louis, just like being able, like they just spent $7 billion on <laughs> Bethesda, right? And just being able to, you know, just, just throw $10 billion at Discord and, Which, you know, it's... Th- is Discord even valued that much? Is it, are they even... No, like- it's not. Okay. It's not. I I heard somewhere where I was I was hearing this uh this same story being discussed somewhere else, and they they said that uh that Discord is not valued this much. This is basically Microsoft just trying to immediately outbid everybody else, like um <laughs> you know just to kind of like swing their big dick and get there and be like, hey, you know, like just so you guys know, we really want this, and uh, we don't want anybody else to uh to to um. I guess overcut us, right? Yeah. And it's I I feel like the only company that could otherwise offer more uh, and buy them would probably be Amazon. Oh. Well, I guess you know, sure, you know, there's Apple, Facebook. there's Google, but Facebook. I, I, <laughs> I could see true Facebook. That's a good one. I was gonna say I don't really see Apple being that interested in Discord. I see Amazon potentially, Facebook for sure. I could see that one as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens here, um, but. Whether I'm worried or not, it depends, right? Like, it depends. Uh, are they going to change? How much are they going to change it? Uh, how much are they going to turn it into something else? Or are they going to keep it what it is? And I feel like, you know, Microsoft's philosophy with this these things have been changing throughout the years, where I feel like nowadays they seem to lean a little bit more towards leaving things as they are, um, as opposed to trying to, you know, turn them into Microsoft products. Uh, so I would hope that regardless of whether this happens or not, that it ultimately does not affect Discord that much, or at least not negatively. Hmm. Right. I wonder if like does is is Microsoft literally like I want to know what the what their game plan is for Discord because like it almost kind of feels like their um, Discord is kind of like used as like party chat basically like third party party chat. We use Discord for like Among Us, and I'm pretty sure some people even use Discord you know, when they weren't playing for, like, Xbox Live or whatever, so that kind of stuff. Like, is that is that going to be a situation where they're, like, it was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to integrate Discord into the Xbox or whatever. Is that really all they want to do? Or is it just, like, what, I, I really want to know what's, like, what what is the, how are they going to be making revenue from from Discord and stuff like that? How is how is Discord even it, making revenue? Is what yeah, I, I was going to say, is Discord even monetized? Like, how is Discord monetized? Because it could be one of those situations where they're not even making money because they're, there are companies out there that, you know, have this huge evaluation based on their stock value that, you know, are not profitable companies. There's plenty of those out there. Yeah. Um, so I wonder what the case is with Discord. Uh, I'm sure there's probably some monetization going on there. You know, there's probably I don't I'm, I'm actually not a big user of Discord. Um, I use it to record this podcast, but that's pretty much the extent to my use with it. Um, but I assume, you know, there must be some kind of like, you know, ads or, you know, like VIP kind of privileges that you can buy, perhaps, you know, like the ways to customize your servers that, that you're spending money on. But I'm not sure. Um, now, I often heard that a lot of times when big companies buy companies like this, they're not buying it for the revenue as much as they're buying it for the data uh, and the user base. So that's also a possibility that, you know, Microsoft sees that. 
Discord is so huge with gamers. There's so much gamer data in there. It's just like this pool of like data and information and user accounts that they can tap on and use for, you know, trying to use it to bring people to other of their services or other other products and etc. Um, or to just kind of, you know, look, use it for analytics that they can then sell as well. So um, I don't know, there's there's all sorts of possibilities in this realm. But because I'm not really a big user of Discord, it's a little bit beyond my uh, my realm of expertise in that sense. I genuinely don't want to see um, I genuinely don't want to see Discord turn into Mixer, you know, Mm. Um, and I also don't want to see like uh, when Microsoft bought out Skype, you know, the Skype suddenly became less competitive with features and, you know, mm-hmm. everyone else was like, you know, uh, you know, power creeping on their, you know, basically eating their lunch kind of thing. So uh, I, I don't want to see, you know, Discord like, you know, fall, you know, fall from grace from like the, the, the consciousness, you know, the zeitgeist that we're in. So I, I don't know. I just... I feel like Microsoft doesn't really have a good track record of like buying out a company and then keeping that company propped up. So yeah, I don't know. Just they don't they they don't have the benefit of the doubt for for me. We'll see what happens. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next one here. And uh, this is a, this is what I was talking about the BAFTA awards. So they <laughs> happened earlier today, a day of recording, and uh, the the BAFTA awards were streamed live. And there was like a virtual thing where basically everyone was, uh, you know, actually it was kind of funny. Everyone was using Discord because there was a one part where like they were having the technical difficulties and stuff. And you can see, I can see the Discord like, you know, uh, overlay. Like that wasn't Zoom. I can tell you that much. And so it's kind of funny how like, um, uh, like the person was had like the mouse and they were trying to click on somebody's thing to like, to blow them up. And it was kind of funny. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the BAFTA Awards, they were 90 minutes, and it's, it was like almost like a, kind of like a perfect award show because it was literally just an award show of just nominees and nominees and like presenters, 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 just like back to back to back to back to back. Like there's no like fluff, like as far as like, well, there's a little fluff as in like, you know, talking about like this award is, you know, known for this or whatever, this mm-hmm. is achievement. But it's not like, you know, you're not getting like, you know, music performances or whatever like that or or uh commercial breaks there were none that i can rem- yeah i know it just kept on going and going so that's that's what i need i need mm. a, an academy awards uh which is kind of funny you know they're, they're known as the i gotta academy. start voting oh sorry uh, <laughs> go, go i gotta start voting with my wallet in quotes a little bit when it comes to award shows because i always watch the game awards and i i've even watched them you know live like in there in the audience uh two years in a row uh back when they were still doing that they didn't do that last year um, and I often have a lot of complaints about the Game Awards, right? Like, I, I, in many ways, I like it, and then in many ways, I don't. And I've talked in this very podcast and in other circumstances offline before about, you know, what I think an award show should be. And the BAFTAs, in a lot of ways, are what I think an award show should be. It's it's really about the awards and the developers, and it's about the disciplines of development, be it, you know, animation, design, um, and all these other things. It's really, like, what I think is closer to the ideal award show format, and then I didn't watch it. So really, I should probably uh, make a point to watch and support the BAFTAs more than I do. The truth is, I just, this didn't fall on my radar. I didn't even know this was going on. Um, I remember, I think we brought up the nominations maybe on a different show, or we maybe it was an extra news bullet point or something, but I had kind of forgotten about it, and I didn't remember when it was going to um, happen. So um, yeah, but let's. I'm, I'm excited to go through the awards right now and kind of talk about their choices here. 
Yeah. So, uh, well, so by the way, um, they did game of the year like midway through. So that, that was really weird. Uh, that's interesting. They did it like their, their, their ordering was really weird. Okay. So the last of us part two, one for best animation, Hades, one for artistic achievement, ghost of Tsushima, one for audio achievement, um, Hades, one for best game. Okay. I'm guessing that's the one where, okay. I didn't yeah, that's see the that. game of the year. That's game of the year. Yeah. Okay. They, they presented another game of the year, uh, there was a game of the year voted by the public. They they presented that midway through. Oh, uh, okay, the, okay. I thought that was the game of the year, but okay. Uh, separate side note, by the way, I just want to comment that uh, they're doing the thing where they're trying to split the, the 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 wins to like as many games as possible, which is what I predicted for the hmm. game awards. I didn't like la- la- the game awards. I didn't predict that Last of Us Part Two would do a, f- a full sweep. So I'm very happy that you know they're they're spreading the love here. Uh, Sackboy, a big adventure, one for British game. Carry on, one for debut game. Sea of Thieves, one for evolving game. Sackboy, a big adventure, one for family game. Hades, one for game design. Animal Crossing New Horizons, one for game beyond entertainment. Uh, mm. Animal Crossing New Horizons, also one for multiplayer. Marvel Oh, Spider-Man. I disagree with that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> That's fair. I think people have criticisms about the multiplayer. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, one for music. Hades, one for narrative. Kentucky Route Zero, one for original property. Laura Bailey, one for a performer in a, performer in a leading role. See, that's what I'm talking about. They need to do a, a leading and supporting. So Lo- Logan Cunningham, one for a performer in a supporting role. Uh, Dreams, one for technical achievements. And Last of Us Part Two won the fan-voted uh, game of the year. Oh, so, interesting. I see what and, they did there. Uh, and the article then has like all the same things again, where the the nominees are also there, not not in bold. So, yeah, um, I, I really did uh, like the the award show. It was just like just kept going and going, and uh, um, everyone was even dressed up. Like Troy Baker was there in a suit and stuff like that. A majority mm. of the uh, awards were were uh, pre recorded. Were like uh, they cut to like a pre recorded segment where somebody's accepting the award speech, and a couple mm-hmm. of select awards were like live where you s- they had all six nominees were on the you know on the boxes and stuff like that, and you can see them react to like you know uh, you know when they lost or whatever. Like the other five would do the clap or whatever and stuff like that. So and the other the, the other person was like, oh my god, I won and all that stuff. So that's really cool. So they didn't do that too many of those uh what's really kind of funny is one of the pre-recorded like uh, uh acceptance speeches they he, the guy gave away the sauce uh he, he, he like he gave away like how the, the sausage was made because um he literally said like when he as he's pretending to you know receive the award he was saying it was like well if i if i don't win you guys won't see this because everyone's recording their acceptance speeches and stuff like all the nominees and, stuff. <laughs> and i'm like wow that's actually really interesting so he didn't even when he's accepting this the the, the award he doesn't even actually know if he won the award and it's kind of funny that's cool. he, he had uh, he had a like a a, uh, a whiteboard with like you know some stuff written on it and it said clear as day uh, chances of winning uh, the bafta 100 to 1 <laughs> and, then, and the next bullet point was ask for a pay raise or whatever. It was so good. It was it was like just just brilliant. I love it. This is such a good award show. So. That's good stuff, man. I uh, actually am going to try to take some time this weekend to to watch it. I think um, what's the most interesting to highlight here is perhaps the games that uh, were in quotes nubbed or just you know didn't get awarded as much on the game awards. They got recognized here. Uh, you know, Sackboy: A Big Adventure won two awards in the BAFTAs, and I don't think that game. Um, 
was pretty much even brought up in, in the Game Awards, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, uh, you know, was nominated for Game of the Year um, and it won for uh, won for Best Music. And I also think that game, I remember it only had one nomination on the Game Awards and it didn't win. For actor. And it's one of those situations. Yes, I think that's correct. And it's one of those situations where, um, you know, you can see that a, an award show like this benefits a little bit for happening a few months after the year ends so that it gives everybody time to actually have gone through, or at least, you know, you would hope the people that are voting have had time to go through and play the majority of games that actually did come out in the calendar year of 2020 and and vote on their nominations and on the winners based on that. Because on the Game Awards, there's a lot of games that end up being at a disadvantage because they come out either on the week, uh, you know, like, like the... You know, the final week where they of can the come deadline. out to be eligible. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the final week before the deadline or even after the deadline, right? And, and those games, you know, what, what Jeff Keighley always says when he is, in quotes, criticized or, you know, people complain about this. is He says, well, they're eligible for next year. Um, and, and that's true. But, you know, when you're, when you're in next year, like, people are not really thinking about that game as much, right? Like, you get to, uh, you know, most likely when, we're, when we get to November of this year... And, uh, and people are looking back at the best games of 2021, they're not going to be thinking about Miles Morales, right? They're not going to be thinking, or it's less likely that they're going to be thinking about Miles Morales. Um, so, you know, an award show like this gets the benefit of happening after the calendar year's over, that people have had some time. And then games like that that come out at the very, you know, tail end of the year, like Sackboy and Miles that came out with the PS5, um, can have more of a chance to, uh, to get some awards, right? Yeah, that's true. And by the way, I'm looking through all the nominees. Ori and the Will of the Wisps was only nominated for for, for best music, um, so that kind of sucks. Oh wow! And it, of course, Miles Morales won for that, which is really cool. And I think Miles Morales needs love as well. But what the hell? Uh, so I'm not happy with that in general. Uh, secondly, um, my uh, there was the uh, the one for like best. Uh, ongoing game i forgot what they called it Evol- they call it evolving game uh fortnite was nominated those bastards got snubbed again fortnite is the best <laughs> evolving game to ever evolve because they constantly one-upping themselves but yeah lewis i, I think i think the best evolving game should have been pokemon sword and shield saying. <laughs> uh, like there's some uh what do you call it i feel like there's like a pun in there Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. The point. All right. Enough with the. Uh, no, one, one last side note here. I just wanted to say that uh, the South by South game, uh, the South by Southwest awards were, hap- were also happened. Um, Hades won for game of the year as well. All right. Next up is what we talked about in the other news story about the Discord stuff is uh, Microsoft uh, rebrands Xbox Live to Xbox Network. Uh, the story reads, Microsoft is rebranding the Xbox Live, and in instances of the new branding started appearing on Xbox dashboards recently for beta testers, with clips being updated or uploaded to Xbox Network instead of Xbox Live. Microsoft has now confirmed the name change. Quote, Xbox Networks referred to the under- underlying Xbox online service, which was updated in the Microsoft Services Agreement says a Microsoft spokesperson in a statement to The Verge. Quote, the update from Xbox Live to Xbox Network is intended to distinguish the underlying services from Xbox Live Gold memberships. Microsoft has been has used Xbox Live to refer to its underlying ser- Xbox service since its original launch 18 years ago. Larry Herb, better known as Major Nelson, has been known as Xbox Live's Major Nelson for years, but Herb now refers to himself as Xbox's Major Nelson. 
And um, mm. this article then has some tweets with some screenshots where it says upload to Xbox network or uh, another one where it says uh, manage captures and then there's like a checkbox that says on the Xbox network. So it used to say Xbox Live. So Dan, number one, RIP to Xbox Live. And number two, why? Just just why? Hmm. I'm not sure I know why, but I to be completely honest, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, to be fair, you know, I am a new... Xbox fan, if I can even call myself that, right? Like, I mean, Lewis too. And Lewis and I are playing through Halo Combat Evolved for the first time, so we can't we can't sit here and be the the true Xbox representatives that are like, oh, Xbox Live has a meaning to me, and blah 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 blah, right? Because <laughs> it it doesn't, not as strong. Now, I do think it's interesting. You know, Xbox Live was a brand on on its own, right? Like Xbox yeah. Live was beyond Xbox in some ways. It was it was something that people used as its own to refer to it as its own thing in a way that, you know, I'm not sure that had as uh was as strong with PlayStation and you know, definitely not as strong with Nintendo, right? Like Nintendo's online is just whatever, right? Like, it was just, <laughs> you know, a Nintendo's little online thing, whatever. Xbox Live meant something though, right? Like it was a name and it was a brand that was associated with other sub brands as well, right? Like you had Xbox Live Gold being the sub the paid you know premium subscription service. Um and then you had like Xbox Live Arcade, right? Which were the you know the the downloadable games that were available on the 360 and etc. But I think this is a sign that Xbox is trying to move past that old branding. And, uh, you know, leave behind because I, I already told you, I already said this before and I've been, I've been almost like calling for it and I think it's going to happen. And it's each new story that comes out. I think it's going to happen. Xbox Live Gold is going to die, Louis. That, that service is going to end <laughs> eventually. I guarantee you. Um, and obviously saying it's going to end eventually, everything ends eventually. It's going to end in the next few years. Um, and, or at least going to get rebranded. Before the um, Series X dies, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Xbox Live Arcade is dead as well. Like, we don't say that anymore, right? Like, it's like they are, they still put out, you know, indie games and there's like the idea to Xbox stuff. But, you know, that's gone. So I think they just kind of want to retire the brand and they want to focus more on Xbox as a brand, on Xbox Game Pass as a brand. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's an odd choice. I don't think, I don't know if it's necessary, but I also don't have a problem with it. I think, you know, with time, companies evolve and like do things different. I think they're just trying to... You know, they don't want people thinking about Live Gold anymore. They don't want people thinking about Xbox Live anymore. They want you thinking about Game Pass. They want that to be the brand. Um, hmm. So that's the way I look at it. That's so subtle. Like, it doesn't even really make any sense. Like, I honestly think they should just... <laughs> every, because the thing is, if you think about it, like, Xbox Live was just like, you know, if, even if... You know, even it's 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 got like a cachet. You know, it has like a weight to it. Like mm -hmm. even I never had an Xbox 360, but I knew what Xbox Live was. Best believe it, I knew what it was. Like I knew everyone talked it up. Everyone said it's the best online to ever online. You know, uh, so I just mm -hmm. kind of feels like you know you're you're just throwing. You're like it's like almost kind of feels like you're throwing away the baby with the bathwater kind of situation. I don't even know if I'm mm -hmm. using that phrase correctly though, to tell you the truth. But it just uh, it just kind of seems very odd. Like, I think that you can capitalize on the goodwill that you've already built with your branding and stuff like that. So, you know, mm -hmm. why why uh, why discard it? You know, so it just seems like a very weird um, issue for me. But I, I'm guessing there are executives at Microsoft that get paid more than me that, you know, said that this is what we need to do. So, yeah. Yeah. It does feel like a weird, unnecessary move. But at the end of the day, I think we're, you know, soon we're going to get used to the new name and we're going to kind of, 
I mean, it's going to take a bit, but we're eventually <laughs> going to get used to the new name and we're going to forget about Xbox Live. Like, a quick, really quick tangent. Uh, the first time I went to Disney World in Florida, you know, they, they had four parks. Uh, Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and MGM Studios. Disney's MGM Studios. Um, and that park uh, got later renamed to Hollywood Studios. Um, and I remember when I learned that they were renaming the park, I was like, I kind of took some issue with it. I was like, oh, man, but like, you know, like I liked MGM Studios. And, you know, they had like a cool branding around it and everything. And it was associated with, you know, with the, with the MGM movie studios um, that I don't know, you know, if belonged to Disney or whatever. I'm assu- I assume it belonged to Disney or they had some licensing deal or whatever. Um, and then, you know, Hollywood Studios just seemed generic to me. Yeah. But fast forward, you know, it's been over 10 years since the name changed now, I believe. And, you know, everybody just knows it as Hollywood Studios. You know, you go to Florida, Nobody people remembers. go to Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember it. I'm sure a lot of people remember it. But, you know, the kids that are going to Disney now don't remember it. Uh, you know, the kids that are like in their teens or whatever or early going to Disney right now don't don't know it, don't remember it. And it ultimately doesn't matter. Everybody's used to the new name now. So I guess... A totally unnecessary tangent on my part as well. But the point is just things get renamed and then it's weird uh, and it feels unnecessary. But then ultimately 10 years later, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, yeah. so. See the dual sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's there another are, interesting there, example too. Uh, other, There are many other examples and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, the other st- a quick sub story within this is uh, the Xbox Party Chat uh, will no longer require Xbox Live Gold um, when Paywall also drops for free-to-play games. Uh, so just wanted to say that uh, this was something that they talked about whenever they rolled back. They're like, "Oh yeah, my bad. We're not gonna pay. We're not gonna charge you 120 dollars for Xbox Live uh, or whatever." Uh, so they are now coming uh, coming through with their promise. Xbox Live Gold will soon. No, uh, soon no longer be required to use party chat. Microsoft will drop the subscription requirement at the same time as it also removes the need for Xbox Live Gold to play online free-to-play games such as Fortnite and Rocket League. And that was uh, written by Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. I'm going to just stop it right there. Um, yeah, so about time. That's really cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really have much to say other than that. So let's go ahead and move on unless you want to say something. No, nothing else to add other than what I already said. All right, cool. Next up is, uh, this comes from Bloomberg. Uh, this is, we commented about it a little bit last week because this is an old story that, a story that just keeps on perpetuating, but we're just going to go ahead and hit on some some new stuff. Uh, the Nintendo Switch Pro uh, rumors are, are abound right now this week. Nintendo to use uh, faster NVIDIA chips and new 2021 Switch model. Uh, written over at Bloomberg, it says Nintendo uh, plans to adopt an upgraded NVIDIA chip with better graphics and processing for a new Switch model planned for the year-end shopping season, according to the people that are familiar with the matter. I love that phrasing. I know. Um, (laughs) The new Switch iteration will support NVIDIA's Deep Learning Super Sampling, or DLSS, which is what I told you about the AI uh, technology. It's a novel rendering technology that uses an artificial intelligence to deliver high fidelity graphics more efficiently. That will allow the console, which is also set for an OLED display upgrade, to reproduce game visuals at 4K quality when plugged into a TV, said the people, uh, who asked not to be identified because the plan is not public. The U.S. company's new chipset will also bring in better CPU and increased memory. DLSS support will require new code to be added to the games, so it's, it'll be primarily be used to improve graphics on upcoming titles, said the people, including multiple game developers. Uh, Bloomberg News uh, previously reported that the new Switch is uh, likely to include a 7-inch OLED screen from Samsung Disney Co. Uh, 
Samsung Display Company, and uh, a couple of the consoles releases with a bounty of new games. All right, so I just wanted to skip along here and go to this part of this article, and this is the, the some news information here. Analysts expect the new Switch will be offered at a higher price than the current model's $299, uh, a level unchanged since the Switch's initial release in 2017. Bloomberg's intelligence's Matthew uh, Canterman foresees an increase of as much as $100. Quote, $349.99 will increase the value proposition of the device, but I think Nintendo can drive strong demand even at $399.99. So... I'm not going to lie. Uh, $400 is kind of, you know, you're kind of putting yourself up there with like next gen pricing, like four, 400, uh, mm-hmm. uh, $400 gets you like a, a PS five digital, digital edition. So uh, yeah, they're going to be like, you know, competing for that same consumer I'd, I'd imagine. And as long as, you know, your four uh, you have 4k on the box, you know, it's like, I guess you're trying to, you know, you know, for the general consumers that you're trying to like uh, put yourselves at, at parity, I guess. So um, also, it is also noted that if they do um, put the price at $400, it would be the most expensive hardware Nintendo has ever produced because the most expensive to date was the Wii U at $350. So yeah. when they first launched, it's I I can see arguments both ways to whether Nintendo would do this, would put it at that price, and and whether they should. Um, Nintendo has typically not been very successful with expensive hardware. Nintendo has also typically not been very successful when it was at parity or close to parity with its main competitors. I feel like Nintendo is usually successful by undercutting them in price because they do offer a different kind of experience, right? Like they're not going out for the higher end uh, hardware. They're going out for, you know, like here's something cool and neat and different and, you know, fun for the family. Um, you know, for a cheaper price, that that's usually their proposition, or at least has been with DS, 3DS, with the Wii, um, you know, kind of with the Wii U as well, you know, despite the fact that it was more expensive than the others. So I kind of feel like if Nintendo comes out at 400 bucks, you know, more expensive than, you know, a PS4 Pro and Xbox, you know, One X at that point, although, you know, One X is discontinued, um, pretty much the same price as the digital PS4 or Series S, close in price to what a PS5 or, or Series X will probably be uh, in on sale in like a year. Um, so it start, it's, I don't know if that, that would be a good move. I don't know if that would work. Now... <laughs> On the other hand, you could argue, you know, the Switch is the one of the most successful Nintendo consoles ever, if not, you know, about to be the most successful Nintendo console ever. And if they could capitalize on something like that, this would be the time. Um, now, plus, uh, Nintendo who are they Switches, selling? Nintendo Switches sell for like more than three hundred dollars on eBay when they're being scalped by by you know resellers. So. And, and, you know, maybe what what if they throw in a packing game, right? Like if there's like a good packing game like Breath of the Wild 2 and they sell it for 400 bucks, then like over that already kind of sells it, right? The interesting thing, though, is are they trying to sell this hardware to current Switch owners or to new Switch buyers? The answer is probably both, but I think <laughs> it is not an easy sell uh, for somebody that already owns a Switch, already likes it, is happy, is having fun with their Switch to go out and, and spend $400 just to upgrade their system when their current system is perfectly capable to play the games that they want to play, right? So, um, like, honestly, I, I can tell you right now, I wouldn't. You know, at least I wouldn't <laughs> for now. I, I wouldn't immediately. I know you would, uh, but I wouldn't. Um, yeah, Nintendo can't get my yeah, money I don't. I, I could actually... <laughs> Yeah, I, I could I could I could talk about this even longer because the the other side of this too is um fuck I just lost it <laughs> I, I you know I, I led up to it and then I just might you know I lost my train of thought whatever go 
you can move on or, or talk, Louis, if you want. No, I'll, I'll go, I can go ahead and stall for you while you remember. Um, so yeah, look, I, I was just gonna say, like, you know, I, I, I am one hundred percent on board, like the hype train for the Nintendo Switch Pro. I'm gonna buy it day one. I'm probably not gonna buy it day one because somehow, some way, it's gonna be a PS5 situation where the the pre-order scalpers are gonna just get all the mm-hmm. inventory, and I'm gonna be screwed. So uh, <laughs> other than that, though, um, I, I don't know. I just um, I'm very happy with the DLSS thing, and I'm like, I'm like, my my conspiracy theory box is going like, you know, thinking it's like, oh yeah, they just want to put 4K on the box, you know. And so imagine like whenever like yeah. there's like a, you know, you're like the mom, or, you know, that's you know buying a, a console for the kid, and they see a Nintendo Switch with 4K, and then an Xbox and a PlayStation 5 with 4K, but then they're like, oh, but this one's portable, you can actually take it out and like play it as a console or like as a handheld. It's like mm-hmm. it almost makes it like a better value proposition and stuff like that. So um, true. Uh, but yeah, like when it comes to the history and stuff like that, you know, the GameCube, I think it was like a 200 or 250 bucks. I, I like the NES, the Super Nintendo, N64. They're like, they're very, like, very, like, no more than 200 bucks, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're very like, uh, you know, budget friendly. Uh, they're targeting family members as like their, their consoles. Mm-hmm. The Wii was way undercut over like the, like the PS3 and the 360 and stuff like that. So I think the Wii launched at 199, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's like, um, it's one of those situations where like, uh, Nintendo is now trying to like, you know, you know, I guess maybe like the power creep or technology requires them to manufacture more expensive hardware with better features and stuff like that, which is, you know, cool for me, but you know, maybe not so much for like, uh, more, uh, you know, family oriented consumers. So, yeah. You know, they, they might also be going for kind of like a three tier strategy where they have, you know, the, the, the switch light on one end and the, the switch pro at the other end. And they want to keep, you know, they often talk about this, you know, like the tree, the three tiers, uh, they, they, they've uh, done this before with DS game boy, like a G- GBA, I think, um, and the GameCube and, and the Wii, um, I, I can't remember the timeline very well in my head right now, but I did remember what I was going to say earlier, which is like the, the best argument for the switch pro right now, I think is the fact that Switch games are just starting to get pro- to look progressively Strange. worse in comparison to current hardware. Um, and I, I, I mentioned this when we watched that last Nintendo Direct, where it's like, every one of those games, I'm like, man, that game just doesn't look good. Like, it just, they just don't look that great when you're getting your eyes used to seeing these beautiful games running on you know the ps5 and the and the series x and stuff and you're you're seeing all these new awesome next gen trailers for you know horizon forbidden west and stuff and then you look at mario golf on the switch and you know i i I tend to believe that games you know don't really need that much power to you know to look good and nintendo is usually phenomenal at making their games look great and look at parody with worse hardware but you look at like mario golf and you look at you know the the pokemon stuff and it's just not quite right it just it just doesn't look good. So I think Nintendo could benefit of having a better hardware so that they could, you know, develop a new game. And maybe you can play the new game in any of the three hardware SKUs. But what the one that they show in the trailer is running <laughs> on the Switch Pro. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean it. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I just wanted to say that um, the I, I, I'm pretty, I, I would bet, like, I, I'm like 50-50. I don't know what the odds are, but... My gut tells me that Nintendo Switch, like the the Switch that we have now, is going to stay on the market. They're not going to quietly discontinue it like they did the old 3DSs when the new 3DSs mm-hmm. were out. Um, it's possible. I'm not going to you know den- you know say that it's not going to happen, but 
you're you can almost say like you know a two hundred dollar a three hundred dollar and a four hundred dollar switch. It's like yep. kind of like with the Apple thing, where it's like we have the iPhones and we have an, a three, at all these price points and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I would say that's probably going to be the case. But I also you know Nintendo will Nintendo if they. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, that all that being said, I just I had one more thought about the about the Nintendo Switch, but eh, whatever. Let's just go ahead and move on because uh, we have a whole lot more news to cover. This next one is coming from the gamer. And it's regarding a, a report. There's a rumor that the PlayStation 3, the Vita, and the PSP stores are going to be closing permanently in a few months. <laughs> Hasta la Vita, baby. <laughs> That's a good tagline <laughs> there. Uh, by, by the way, separate side note, I'm actually genuinely surprised that the PSP store is still like functioning. because I know. The, I'd, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> the PSP came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. So that that's crazy. Um, maybe it's more of like a situation because it's like backwards compatible or like the Vita store is backwards compatible. So it's probably accessing the same mm. store. Maybe. I don't know. But it says here that the PS3, the PS Vita and the PlayStation portable stores aren't long for this world. According to a source familiar with the situation. Again, that that phrasing. Uh, the stores are due to be closed down uh, starting in July or from July. The announcement is planned for the end of this month. So sometime between now and the end of March 31st or whatever, they're gonna uh, Sony's gonna come out and officially announce it. PSPs and PS3 stores are gonna be closed on July 2nd, while the PlayStation Vita store will stay open until August 27th. After those dates, you will no longer be able to purchase digital copies of games or DLC for any of Sony's consoles mentioned above. So yeah, I gotta say I am. Um, I don't know how to feel about this because on on the one hand I am not shocked in the least bit surprised like I mean the the PS3 is definitely a legacy hardware uh the PSP is most definitely legacy hardware and I'm surprised it's been it's still kicking uh the Vita I'm a little bit more miffed about because I was like you know the Vita doesn't have a successor you know and but no one's really like and no one's all the indies left Vita because they went to Switch you know so it's like I don't know it just kind of seems like um a part of me almost kind of like you know feels like the vita could still be relevant but uh also by the way the 3ds came out before the vita and the 3ds's eShop is still going on you know and there's no rumors of it closing anytime soon so it kind of feels like the vita is just getting a little short shrift in my opinion uh i don't know what do you what do you think uh dan i i can't necessarily say i'm surprised about uh this news because this kind of stuff happens a lot now and it, it feels like it feels like it, it happens sooner than, than it used to, but it could just be me getting older and time feels different now. <laughs> um, now, I do get a, I mean, I am upset about it, if it, if this is true, uh, which I believe it probably is. Although it is a little odd that uh, that Sony hasn't come out and just confirmed it outright already, because that if they were planning to to confirm it in March, to announce it in March, then they, they, they should have as well just come out and be like, yep, this is true, and then just done their announcement. So that's a little <laughs> odd right there. Um, maybe they're rethinking their plans based on the response. Uh, but I, I am upset and I'll tell you why. Like the PSP. All right. Listen, that's really old hardware by this point. It already had its sequel, you know, years ago and et cetera. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think a lot of people are playing the PSP right now. Unless, you know, the people that, you know, were jailbreaking it and, and installing all kinds of shit on it, like a lot of people did with their PSPs, and maybe those, it, it doesn't matter to those people, they're still going to do what they're going to do with it regardless, right? And that's fine, you know, good for them. Um, when it comes to the PS3, it, it gets a little iffy, because the PS3, you know, is two gener- it, like, it is hardware from two generations ago, however, we're still in the very infancy of the PS5, a lot of people that want to get a PS5 haven't even been able to get one yet. 
Um, and when you look back at like the PS2, I feel like like the PS2 was still supported way into the PS4 generation, right? So to me, it would make sense to continue to support the PS3 way into the PS5 generation. Like I could see us closing that store, that store being closed towards the end of the PS5 generation or like halfway through to the end. And then at that point, you know, to me, it's like, okay, it's been long enough. Like I, I kind of feel like I almost feel like 20 years might be the the right, like from release, right? Might be the right mark or rather, you know, 10 years after the 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 console has become irrelevant and i don't think it's been 10 years yet you know like 10 years ago people were you know playing their their ps3s happily and there still probably is a public out there that's still rocking their ps3s you know emerging markets um places like brazil where i'm from i'm sure there's plenty of people still rocking their ps3s over there um and and even though no new games probably are coming out for it other than perhaps a a fifa or just dance or something i don't really know don't quote me on that (laughs) now Here's the worst one, though. The Vita. The Vita is not even 10 years old yet. The <laughs> Vita not... came out, like, the Vita eight, came eight out, like, half. eight years ago. Yeah. That's well, that's insane. Ago, the Vita. Now, here's the interesting thing. The Vita um, was not a successful console, right? So, it's like, okay, it makes sense that they would short, short shift it because it didn't sell nearly as much as the 3DS. Uh, it didn't sell nearly as much as the PSP. However, it is a console that has its, like, dedicated cult following to the point where there are still games coming out on the Vita and people that play them. There's a lot of like nerdy ass, you know, RPGs that come out on the Vita. There's indie games that come out on the Vita. Um, like, you know, games published and then games published by like Atlas and, and companies like that that still come out on the Vita and people play them. And I'm in certain circles online where I see that are, there are people that are still rocking their Vita. And like I said, like the console, like you can still go and buy a Vita. You know, and it's not, you know, it's not a collector's item yet or anything. Like, it's just an item, like, that you can go and buy and you can buy a new. Um, and that's probably not going to last too long. But that's the one that I'm the most upset about and the most shocked about. Because I think, I don't know, I think even though the Vita, you know, was in quotes a failure, you know, a commercial failure. Um, and that, you know, I understand why Sony is no longer supporting with first party. The the, the console still, it still exists and it's kept around by, you know, the, the these third party developers that are occasionally putting games on it and this community that's still playing on it. Um, and it is the latest PlayStation portable, right? Like it is the it is the last PlayStation portable system to ever be released. Um, so, yeah, that's the one that I'm the most, I don't want to say angry, but close to angry about. That's why I said miffed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It says on the article that it did come out in uh, December of 2011. So this coming December would be the 10-year anniversary uh, coming mm-hmm. up. It sold 10 to 15 million units across its lifetime. I like how it gave an estimate of it's somewhere between 10 and 15 million because it's like, why is that not publicly known? Like the actual no. hard number, but whatever. It's just like with Xbox. We don't know how many units Xbox One sold. It's all just estimates. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny if like this was all like comes to fruition and the PlayStation 3 servers like shut down and stuff like that. Number one, I'm going to go out of my way to like pop in every PlayStation disc, 3 disc I have to make sure that all of my games are patched. Because uh, like that's, that's something that I know like all of my games are not updated. Um, and then- Here's the other part of this too. There are games that are stranded on the PS3 that you can't play on any other platform as well like because there's no backwards compatibility with ps3 games on you know either the ps4 or the ps5 mm. so i'm sorry i interrupted you there and i'm sorry we keep ranting on this i i don't care the show can be long i just I, you know that there's there's points that are important to make here like this is not cool yet <laughs> yeah of course of course um 
what was I gonna say? I said I was saying like there's a PlayStation Three. I don't need a. I need to patch them and stuff like that. And uh, I was gonna say something else, but I forgot. It's okay. Oh, you're gonna it's download. Fine. You're gonna you're gonna download all your digital games to your console, right? Uh, probably. Uh, yeah. I think I have like yeah. a couple of like codes that I never downloaded and stuff like that. So it, it's it's gonna be a pain in the ass, but you know it's uh, it's gotta happen. And I've always uh, I've always knew that this day was gonna come. So all right. Last yep. story is regarding. Uh, Xbox again. So we're going to talk about uh, the possibility and the rumors that Ubisoft Plus uh, could be added to Xbox Game Pass, uh, says Jeff Grubb. So let's go ahead and pull up this article here. All right. Uh, Ubisoft Plus, the rebranded Uplay Plus subscription service, is currently only available on PC and cloud streaming services like Amazon Luna and Google Stadia. However, Venture Beats Jeff Grubb is confident that Microsoft is work, uh, trying to work out a deal to bring Ubisoft Plus on top of its own game pa- Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription, which would add it to the uh, Xbox consoles as well. The precedent for that uh, was given the recent addition of EA Play on Xbox Game Pass. And so this is the the relevant uh, excerpt from the Grubbs podcast. He says, I think it's Ubisoft Plus. Yes, I think uh, it's that part. I'm not for sure, but that my understanding is that they're trying to make that happen. Well, what that looks like is that they're adding another $5 thing into Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, or if there's going uh, going to be tiers to getting all these things involved, I honestly don't know. That is me speculating. But I do, I do think that they are trying to figure out a way to bring Ubisoft Plus in. I think that would be a pretty big deal. So in, indeed, while EA Play was added to Xbox Game Pass for free, it is unlikely that Microsoft could do the same thing for Ubisoft Plus. That's because EA Play is only priced at $5 monthly, whereas Ubisoft's subscription service is much more expensive at $15 per month, uh, which is the same as EA Play Pro. If the deal goes through, it'll be interesting to see how customers react to having a uh, a pay and increase price. As a reminder, Ubisoft Plus includes uh, all of the publisher's latest games, such as Immortals, Phoenix Rising, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Watch Dogs Legion, etc., and etc. So yeah, the um, this is uh, one of those situations where like I'd have to see it to believe it kind of thing. Like it feels like uh, Microsoft is out here just spending money like crazy and stuff, like you know buying out like an EA contract, and now they're trying to buy out a. A Ubisoft contract. I mean, that's like a lot of a lot of money being thrown around, and I'm not. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like these guys are like taking growth mode very seriously. And for those that don't mm-hmm. know, growth mode is like whenever a company is just spending so much money and just investing and going, um, you know, overspending their their revenue and not making. They're basically operating at a loss to like grow their user base and their customer base and stuff like that. So that way they can reap the benefits later whenever you know they're not in growth mode and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I'm already, I'm already, a uh, um, a game pass subscriber. I don't think that it's going to go over really well if they do this tier thing where it's like, you know, well, they sort of do a tier thing, but like, you know, like game pass PC or, you know, game pass for the console and all that stuff, game pass ultimate. But now it's like adding too many tiers just becomes a situation where it's just too confusing. And I think that the, the more, if, if, if you have to do a chart, you're doing it wrong, is what is my opinion. But you know, what do you think? I think they can have up to three tiers, and I've suggested that before. That I think you know, like the equivalent of Life Gold can be tier one, and then uh, either PC or Xbox can be tier two. So it's like a one console, and then uh, like a one platform thing, and then tier three is ultimate. So I think they can keep it at that. I wouldn't add any more tiers than that. Um, but you know, three tiers, I think people can wrap their minds around that. It's almost like like a bronze, silver, and gold kind of thing. Um, now, with this Ubisoft news, we'll have to see whether this actually happens or not, how much money is going to cost. I'm sure Microsoft would be down to pretty much 
pay however much it costs. Yeah, I mean, they just offer $10 billion for Discord, right? Uh, this is a company that is able to do, like, just kind of put money down to get what they want. Ball now, the interesting thing about... Yes, yeah, I know. Like, And the interesting thing about Microsoft and their moves when it comes to Game Pass is... Uh, have you ever watched Breaking Bad, Lois? Yes, I have. Okay. It's a really good show. I'm assuming you finished it. Um, you know, I'm going to have a very, very, very light Breaking Bad spoilers here. So, you know, skip it okay. if you want. But it's very light. Um, towards the end of the show, there is a scene um, where Walter White, who is the main character of the show, uh, says a line. Uh, you know, they're talking about which kind of business is he in. He's like, you know, like, are you, are you in the meth business, I think, is a question that he's asked. He says, I am not in the meth business. I am in the empire business. So what I was going to say is that that's my take with Microsoft when it comes to this Game Pass thing. They are not they're not in the games business anymore. They're not in the subscription business even anymore. They're in the empire business. Microsoft is trying to build an empire within the games industry throughout Game Pass. They want this to be the ultimate and all be all game subscription. We talked about we talk about Netflix all the time. You know, we got all these other subscription services that are coming out to compete, that have come out that compete with Netflix. But Netflix is above them all by far, right? Like, you know, Netflix has more subscribers than pretty much all of them put together. I know Disney Plus is in a different category now, but, you know, Disney Plus aside, you can almost put all of them together and it's Netflix, right? Microsoft wants to be that. And and the, the cool thing with Microsoft, too... Cool in quotes, right? Like the, the smart, the clever thing about Microsoft is that they're doing this before anybody else is even trying to compete. Almost like they're they are just cleaning up and trying to dominate before anybody else even has a chance to pose a challenge, right? Um, before you know, PlayStation has truly gotten in the game in a serious way. Um, so is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Is that going to pan out? I don't know. But I just think I think that's what they're doing. I think they're trying to turn Game Pass into this big empire to the point where, you know, with Netflix, right? Like you will cancel every, each other one of your subscriptions before you cancel Netflix. I know. Cause yeah. I just did that. Right. <laughs> like that's the one you want. If you can only have one, that's the one you want. Um, and I think that's what Microsoft wants to do with game pass, you know? So. Yeah. But if you think about it with EA play and then like a potential Ubisoft integration and stuff like that, and their, their first party output, the fact that they bought Bethesda and all the other Zenimax stuff, mm. like, their catalog on Game Pass is going to be unrivaled, like straight up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you have a Netflix of games and you truly are like the best of the best, you know, no one's going to really touch you. You're going to cancel you know, Google Stadia or you're going to cancel Amazon Luna or whatever you want to call yep. it, like whatever they're called. So, yeah, you're right. This is yeah. – uh, they're, 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 they are in the empire business. They're making baller-ass baller moves. Um, yeah, like nobody's going to have a chance. You know what? I, I, for one, I welcome my new corporate overlords. Give me that monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's such an anti-consumer thing to say. <laughs> yeah. For the record, I am not necessarily saying, you know, I'm with Xbox on this. That's just my read on the situation. <laughs> <laughs> good good one. Good one. Yes. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like everyone, like, everyone can, like, see the game. You know, it's, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and get on to some extra news. Number one. Ghost of Tsushima movie from John Wick director is in development. Number two. Uh, let's go ahead. And, there we go. All right. Number two. Former Nintendo of America president Reggie fils is leaving the GameStop board of directors. Number three. Back for Blood is delayed to October and Gotham Knights is delayed to 2022. 
Number four, Ghostwire, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo creative director Ikumi Nakamura is to set up an in, a new indie studio. Number five, retail codes for Super Mario 3D All-Stars will still work after March 31st. Number six, Niantic and Nintendo are partnering together to create new mobile apps, including a Pikmin app. Number seven, Shin Megami Tensei uh, 3 Nocturne HD Remaster. That's a, that's a title. Uh, will release on May 21st for pre-order customers and on May 25th for everyone else. Number eight, Marvel's Avengers PlayStation exclusive Spider-Man has been delayed. Number nine, Disco Elysium is banned in Australia. Number 10, Amazon is opening up a new game studio in Montreal led by Rainbow Six Siege developers. Number 11, Resident Evil Village is coming to Stadia day and date with Resident Evil 7 as a pre-order bonus. And then number 12, Microsoft unveils two new Xbox Series X controllers, and they are ugly. Like I, I don't, I do not like them. But I have not, anyways. I have not seen those. Those. Oh yet, yeah, so. I just click. You click on the click on the link, and that's the very first thing you see. Uh, hmm. But I just want to say that uh, there's a lot of extra news. Dan, what catches your eye? So it's interesting because each one of those stories is almost like you would need to read further into it to really know what's going on, right? So I already started pulling up some tabs here because I didn't know. I only knew the headlines for the majority of them. Um, you know, with Reggie leaving GameStop, my assumption there is that, you know, GameStop probably just um, had a pretty shitty year as far as, uh, you know, with the pandemic and everything, the way that it's affected all the every business out there and, and uh, you know, even the issues trying to get con- – usually GameStop gets a boost, you know, when, when new consoles come out, but with all the issues surrounding this console release – I assume that was that was complicated for them as well. So maybe I'm having the wrong read here, but I, I feel like Reggie was probably just like, no, this is not going to go anywhere. So he left. Um, then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sad that, uh, you know, Back for Blood got delayed and got them nice. Those are two, two games that were part of my top five uh, anticipated <laughs> games of the year, right? And got delayed. What's but... gonna, I wonder what's going to do to your... Uh, uh, your, um, your Our game. Football. True. Well, maybe Gotham Knights will come out in like February, right? So we'll, we'll see about that. Mm. Um but, you know, either way, you know, it's it's expected, you know, pandemic, everything's getting delayed. All right, cool. Um, I'm very interested on this, like, Ikami Nakamura thing. So she's she's the woman that came out on E3 and presented a game, you know, a few years ago, Ghostwire Tokyo. And she was very charming. And, and you know, she caught a lot of attention. There's a lot of things going viral on social media and little moments of her presentation. And then, like, a few months after, it was announced that she was leaving the project. So it was really weird. Uh, she was supposed to be Shinji Mikami's, like successor you know um and everything and then she, she just kind of leaves this project and 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 she proceeded to kind of do some tours and you know visit some studios and i've kind of followed her on social media just to kind of see what was going on there and i kept wondering like what is what is uh what is this girl gonna do what's going on so it's kind of cool to see that you know she's starting her own little indie studio now whatever that means um but i think that's you know that's interesting uh the pikmin app god there's there's a lot of stuff happening right now actually surprisingly <laughs> Um, Pikmin app, interesting. Um, I, I saw that there's, that's going to be kind of like a Pokemon Go like thing, but it says I here don't... on the article, the app will include gameplay activities to encourage walking and make walking more delightful. So how do you feel about the Pikmin franchise, by the way? Cause I, I really like the games. I think the games are good. I think Pikmin three is such a good game on the Wii U, but I, I feel like the franchise itself, like I don't really see it having any chance and mainstream appeal. You know, like I don't, and so I, I find it kind of odd that uh that Nintendo kind of keeps going back to like there's other franchises that they completely abandon right and then they keep <laughs> going back to Pikmin like over and over again and as much as I, like I like it you know I like the games I wonder if it's a smart investment 
Yeah, I don't know. I've my I have not played any of the Pikmin games. I think I played like one of the games just to just to test out the disc, you know, because I'm a collector. Uh, but mm-hmm. as far as like my experience with Pikmin, I like I know I know Olimar because of Smash and. You know, I know the idea mm-hmm. of like micro, of managing your Pikmin and stuff like that, and them carrying things around. I've seen the Pikmin, you know, transfer my files from my 3DS to my other 3DS. I've seen the Pikmin uh, carry my Wii save files to my Wii U. You know, <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's that's my uh, my. But I know okay. As far as uh, far as Pikmin goes, like I don't know. It just kind of seems like really weird. Like oh, you're gonna virtually like pick up stuff and like take things with you or whatever. Like I don't know. Just they haven't given us any details to go off of. But I'm assuming that that's what they want to do with that to make uh, Pikmin yeah. like you know, these virtual little pets that are walking with you and stuff like that. So I don't know. Um, I, I guess I would have to see more, but I don't, I don't really have faith in this, in this app particular. Um, as far as the Pikmin franchising, as far as your question goes, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I think you're, I, I think I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like an odd IP, right? Like with, like with Pokemon, it's, it's such a big, you know, it's strong. It's a strong IP. That's what it is. So it's like, it's the kind of IP that like you can build into so many things and it can evolve and, you know, you can sell merch and et cetera. And Pikmin, I feel like is like, it's a good game. Uh, it, I, I do think that the, the core Pikmin games are good games, um, but it doesn't really the, feel like it has. And then the, the spinoff, the Captain Olimar game just was, you know, I think it landed on its face, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I didn't review well. So I, yeah, I, I just feel like the IP itself does not really hold that much value, really. And uh, I think part of the reason why Nintendo insists so much on it is because it's it's kind of Shigeru Miyamoto's last, um, you know, good creation, really, I think. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think there I don't think he really did much of uh, anything um, since Pikmin from a creative standpoint. Yeah. Okay. Um, just wanted to say that uh, Marvel's uh, Avengers, man, the the big marketing push was like, oh, Spider Man's gonna be a PlayStation exclusive, and I think the uh, consensus was that he was gonna be coming out some ra- sometime around the first half of this year. Uh, but now the fact mm-hmm. that they're gonna they're not even saying that he's not even gonna be coming out until after the the War for, uh, the War of Wakanda expansion has already dropped. So that's gonna be interesting. Where it's like you may not even be able to play a Spider Man until 2022. So <laughs> that sucks. Um, I still ha- I still have Avengers in the shrink wrap, by the way. <laughs> so, we'll play so it. We'll, we'll make it a we'll make it a uh, spoiler a cast at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the it just kind of I think uh, I think uh, Reggie Fizeme just likes to retire. <laughs> that's what I <laughs> that's what I want to say. Uh, I don't really have much to say about that. I remember we talked about it early on early on into this very podcast's lifespan. We talked about oh yeah, Reggie Reggie's joining the 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 board of directors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I honestly want to say that I I kind of want to read into this and think that this is a bad thing. Like if Reggie's mm-hmm. leaving the board of directors, something sus. Something's there's smoke mm-hmm. and there's fire. So yeah, um, but yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say other than that. Um, yeah, you want to go ahead and move on? Yeah, all right. Let's uh, let's keep all going right. here. I believe uh, you are going to be taking over the show now, so go ahead and cover the releases. What are you buying? All right. So uh, first, quick one. There's uh, there's an event happening in the game Brawlhalla where uh, they're adding uh, Kung Fu Panda. Uh, so you might want to check this out if you're interested in either the IP or um, or the game. Um, they're they're going to be featuring. Uh, Poe epic crossover and ultimate lover of Kung Fu. This chosen dragon warrior is ready to fight and protect with Crane and Mentis by his side. The Tigress epic crossover and then Tai Long epic crossover. Those are the characters from Kung Fu Panda. Um, Louis added this one in and then he wanted to cut it, but I was like, no, that's funny. <laughs> I uh, let's just let's just throw it in there. I just um, wanted to say, other, um, I just wanted to say really quick that um, 
that on this uh, this reveal trailer, they have a, a reveal trailer in this like this YouTube channel or this YouTube video, and they're actually showing like uh, like Poe and uh, Tigress and and Shai, and Shay Lung like I believe that's his name. They're showing them like you know fighting and like in this animation style. It almost kind of feels like they're even getting like the Smash treatment where like they cut and like you know do that freeze frame like you know you're not doing Smash Brothers where like <laughs> you know someone joins in and stuff like that. They're yeah. literally doing a Smash Brothers reveal. Because this is a Smash clone, um, you can actually play mm-hmm. this game for free on like it's a, it's a free to play game um, and it's on Xbox as well. So and cool. as well as other, I think it's on Nintendo Switch and PlayStation. But I played it on Xbox and, and PC. So uh, yeah, um, that's cool. I just think that they're they're really trying to give it that Smash treatment. So you know, yeah. I wish I wish Smash would have added Kung Fu Panda to, uh, to its <laughs> roster. Can you imagine how funny that would be? It's like like any, you're at the Game Awards or something, and then you know <laughs> the screen just turns like white, and then it like zooms out, and it's it's Poe the Panda in there. Anyway, all right. Uh, for as far as new games coming out, we got Balin Wonder World coming out on PS5, Series X, and S, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on March 26. It is a wondrous action platformer game themed around a mysterious musical theater. The stars of the show will use special abilities from a multitude of character costumes as they adventure in the bizarre and imaginary land of Wonderworld. Here, memories and vistas from the real world mix with the things that people hold dear. Twelve different tales await our stars in Wonderworld, each with their own unique quirks. They will explore out corners of these labyrinth stages using all the tricks and gimmicks hidden along the way to get to the heart of each touching story. On the same day, we got Genesis Noir coming out on Xbox One, Switch, and PC, as well as It Takes Two coming out on PS5, Series X, and S, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Embark on the craziest journey of your life in It Takes Two, a genre-bending platform adventure created purely for co-op. Invite a friend to join for free with Franz Pess and work together across a huge variety of gleefully disruptive gameplay challenges. Play as the clashing couple Cody and May. Two humans turned into dolls by a magic spell. Together, trapped in a fantastical world where the unpredictable hides around every corner, they are reluctantly challenged with saving their their fractured relationship. Then Monster Hunter Rise is also coming out on the Switch on the same day, March 26. Rise to the challenge and join the hunt. The critically acclaimed action RPG series returns to the Nintendo Switch. Set in the ninja-inspired land of Kamura Village, explore lush ecosystems and battle fearsome monsters to become the ultimate hunter. It's been half a century since the last calamity struck, but a terrifying new monster has reared its head and threatens to plunge the land into chaos once again. Hunt solo or in a party with friends to earn rewards that you can use to craft a huge variety of weapons and armor. Brand new gameplay systems such as the high flying wire action and your canine companion Palamut will add exciting new layers to the already robust combat that Monster Hunter is known for. Whether it's at home, on the go, online or offline, you'll always be ready for your next hunt on the Nintendo Switch. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 is coming out with a PS5 and Xbox Series X and S upgrades on March 26th. Then on March 29th, we got Neptunia Virtual Stars coming out on the PC. On March 30th, we got a bunch of different releases, including Auto Chess coming out on the PS5, Disco Elysian The Final Cut coming out on PS5, PS4, Stadia, and PC, Evil Genius 2 World Domination coming out on PC, and all of the different Kingdom Hearts games coming to the DPC. That includes HD 1.5 Remix, 2.5 Remix, 3, 3 Remind, and Melody of Memory. Narita Boy is coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on March 30th as well. Then on March 31st, we got Drifters coming out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And The Binding of Isaac Repentance coming out on PC. The first day of April, and I promise I'm not lying about this one, 
Outriders is coming out on PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One and PC. I believe will be day one available on Game Pass. Outriders is a one to three player co-op RPG shooter set in an original dark and desperate sci-fi universe. As mankind bleeds out in the trenches of Anok, you create your own Outrider and embark on a journey across the hostile planet. With rich storytelling spanning a diverse world, you will leave behind slums and shanty towns of the first city and traverse forests, mountains, and desert in the pursuit of a mysterious signal. Combining intense gunplay with violent powers and an arsenal of increasingly twisted weaponry and gear sets, Outriders offers countless hours of gameplay from one of the finest shooter developers in the industry. People can fly. What have they <laughs> developed before? Um, kind of want to look this up. So, Lewis, why do you think about the new releases? I know what, what your pick of the week is. It's the same as mine. Oh, yeah. Obviously, pick of the week is going to be It Takes Two, uh, 100%. Now, I, I will say that this is one of the uh, situations where, like, uh, pick of the week is actually kind of like uh, a little bit more of like a toss up for certain people and stuff like that. People are really big on Monster Hunter. If that's their franchise, then of course people love their Monster Hunter. And people, I, I remember Battle in Wonderworld having like a lot of good reception when it was first uh, debuted at a at a uh, at some direct. That might have been the Nintendo Direct or some some digital event and stuff like that. And now Outriders is now got suddenly got more eyes on it because of the Game Pass deal. So it's like everyone's uh, everyone's winning this week and i think it's really cool because next week it's i saw next week and it's a bit of a drought so <laughs> that's usually how it goes it's because i it's because i'm reading this week and you're in your reading next week <laughs> i know right i just i i want to say i think there's some kind of conspiracy because every time it's your turn to read you get the best blurbs and i get the shitty ones <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point uh, so uh, people can fly they're the developers of the game painkiller gears of war judgment bullet storm and now outriders uh, but they also worked, and I assume it's like a some in some kind of co-developer, uh, co-development way on uh, Gears of War two, uh, Fortnite, Unreal Tournament, um, and a bunch of other games here. Um, the, the, By the, the way, I just want to say that it takes two is uh, I believe it is uh, cross gen. So like I think if you you can play with your friends uh, from like PS four to PS five. If I've, I could be wrong. I don't think it's like one of those things where it's like PS4 to PS4 only or PS5 to PS5 only, but it's not cross-play. So that kind of sucks. Uh, so you can't like, mm. if you have Xbox and I have PlayStation, we can't like, you know, uh, share like friend code or whatever that whatever that uh, that feature they call it. They called it, they gave it a name for it with like a little TM or whatever, like friend yeah. pass. Oh, friend pass. Yeah, that's the one. No, but that's the uh, interesting so. thing though, Lewis, that let's say I get the game for the Xbox and you get it for the, the PlayStation, right? Then you can give me the, the PlayStation friend code and I can give you the Xbox friend code. So we both get the game on both platforms. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> No, I think the friend pass is like what a, what it what they did with uh, no, a, a way out, where it's like temporary, mm -hmm. so you can like basically download like the demo, and then you can then like mm. you know piggyback off of my game save file, and we can play it together, that kind of situation. Um, it's not one of those things where it's like you you get the friend pass and now you you own the game. It's like you get the mm -hmm. friend pass as long as you're in someone else's lobby. So fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's move on then, Lewis, if you can. Uh... Be so kind as to find our uh, next sound effect here. Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. So we are going to start with the free game of the week on the Epic Game Store. And uh, the free game of the week on the Epic Game Store right now is Creature in the Well. It will be free from now until April 1st. And then starting on April 1st until April 8th, Tales of the Neon Sea will be the free game, allegedly. Bringing up <laughs> Creature in the Well too. I have actually heard of this game before. I think this is... Uh, well-regarded indie game as the last remaining bot c unit 
Venture deep into a desert mountain to restore power to an ancient facility, haunted by a desperate creature. Uncover and upgrade powerful gear in order to free the city of Mirage from a deadly sandstorm. If you're watching us on video right now, I assume maybe Lewis pulled this up. Maybe not. I did. But uh, I, yeah, uh, looks, uh, every time you, you read something, I have it pulled up and it's this beautiful box. So for all you audio listeners, you don't really get anything different. But for all you video listeners, you get to see a trailer and some blurbs and stuff. So it's really cool. We also got some Ubisoft and Capcom sales in the Nintendo eShop. So let's find what we got here. Uh, Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. It's only nine dollars on the Nintendo Switch. That's Jeez. a that's a really good deal. That uh, they you know it says here out of sixty. That, price. <laughs> yeah, but you know the truth is this game is typically on sale, but it's not never on sale for this much. Um, so I've never seen it be that cheap. Uh, Just Dance twenty twenty one is twenty five bucks. Um, you got a gold edition of, of Mario and Rabbits as well for $13.59. Not sure what's included there. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game complete edition is $11.99. Immortals Phoenix Rising, half off, $30. Um, so lots of good stuff too uh, here. Child of Light, $5. A lot of the Assassin's Creed's are on sale as well. Rayman Legends. I, I need to get around to buying Uno because Uno is always on sale with these Ubisoft sales. Uh, <laughs> Uno is on sale for 4 bucks, And I really, really do want to do like an Uno uh, game night with with Dan and Leah, so <laughs> we, that could be fun. That, uh, yeah, we should definitely do that. Um, then on the Capcom side here, we got you know the original Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry two, three. Pretty much all the Devil May Cries are on sale uh, for about you know nine ninety nine each. We also got all the Mega Man Legacy collections are on sale as well for about nine ninety nine each. Okami HD nine ninety nine. Um, almost everything here is nine ninety nine. We got the Ace Attorney games as well. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations on the three DS. Oh, cool! So they got some three DS sales going on as well. Um, I, I assume that's usually the case, but we don't we don't often bring it up. Now that I'm playing the 3DS, that, that has caught my attention here. Um, yeah. Also, Monster 3 Hunter nice, yeah. uh, 3 Ultimate for $6 on the 3DS. Dude, I know somebody who like put like over 200 hours on the Monster Hunter 3 on the 3DS. So, yeah. I, I actually think I have it in my list to like buy that game for collection purposes, but I'm probably going to buy that physically. Yes. Um, however, a good, you know, a good call is to sometimes check you know if you're into physical games and you see those digital sales go and check the price of the physical games anywhere on like amazon or you know whatever else you buy your physical games because sometimes they'll be sometimes they'll be matching the digital sales um on the playstation side uh the deal of the week on the psn is watchdogs legion which is currently 67 percent off which puts it at trying to open the page right here it's taking a little bit 1979 <laughs> Watch Dogs Legion for the PS4 and PS5, a game that I paid bucks. $50 for, is now 20 bucks. A game that I played <laughs> that I paid $50 for, played for 3 hours and then haven't turned on again. Um I could I could have got it for 20 bucks if I bought it right now. Um and then on <laughs> so, Amazon, we got well, well, quick go quick side note is that the Mega March sale and the games under 20 sale that we covered last week is still ongoing so all the deals are still in effect. So Cool, cool beans. Uh, the Pathless, uh, which is a game developed by Giant Squid, the same developers of the game Abzu, which is free. You know, is going to be free as part of the is free or is going to be free as part of the that uh, PlayStation in, Play at Home initiative or whatever. Well, the Pathless, which is their new game since then, uh, I believe it's a PS5 exclusive. Uh, it's currently forty one eighty eight dollars on Amazon. 
So pretty it's, good. It's that cool running game where you shoot a bow and arrow and then like, you know, it, it gets your speed. And I, I want to say, I, yes. I got to say that I was a digital, like, uh, like, I think it was like a, the PlayStation, what is it? State of play where they showed it and they showed like a lot of, uh, like a big vertical slice. And, uh, this, uh, this deal actually kind of entices me because I have my, my PS five and that looks like a cool game. And I believe it reviewed well on IGN. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's All it right. for our deals this week. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, and call it a night. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, you can reach the podcast at readyplaynetwork.com or just simply at Ready Press Play on Twitter and TikTok. I am uh, at Ch- I'm Lewis and I'm at Chakalaka88 and Dan. At the Dan Lima. So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye.